When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back in to another Sonic Truth Dynasty Fantasy-focused podcast brought to you by Player Profiler. I'm Alan Soslowski of rotowire.com, the moderator of the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast. Of course, I'm always along with Theo Greminger. Theo is the, wait, you the head of podcasting now, Theo? What's, the, what's your upgraded title? I am the senior fantasy analyst and the head of podcasting. That, okay, that's a good title. Yeah. I like the multi-title. And in for the Podfather, who's on vacation this week, is Cody Carpentier. Major upgrade for the show today, Theo. Cody, uh, you know, you're all over the channel, but it is good to have you on the Sonic Truth. What's your title nowadays? I don't know, man. I don't know. Titles are titles are flying around everywhere. Yeah. Head of head of football. Head of well, football. There you go. Yeah, I think I believe Cody is the head of football. Uh, Cody Cody basically does it all. And Cody's putting out fire. And I will say this is Cody's second appearance because he was on our our mock draft uh, spectacular yeah. and he crushed it on that one. And, and and it's great having him back here. And this is an awesome, awesome weekend. Cody and I are just talking about the rookie drafts that we're in. I'm in so many rookie drafts right now. My head's going to explode. Yeah, mine too. Uh, they come they come like a fire hose, right? Like I have my it's like they keep starting and then I don't even know. I just see the picks come up on my sleeper app notifications. So and we know all of you are in your rookie drafts right now. And that's what we're going to do today, Theo and Cody. We're going to help out people figure out because everyone knows what to do with the, the top five picks. And we'll get into the nuances of what Theo's done, what Cody's done. But it's that pick seven through 11, seven through 12, where people are trying to trade back. They want next year's picks. Uh, but before before we get into that, guys, there's uh, for, there's a lot of people that are doing startups, and we're getting a lot of questions with how to construct your startup roster in these dynasty leagues. So I'm going to start with you, Theo. Uh, there's a group of 24-year-old running backs, Cam Akers, who's going to be 24 when the season starts. You got J.K. Dobbins and Rashad White. The most common question I see on the player profiler startup message boards are, how do we rank these guys and why? So let's start with you, Theo. Put them in order. And give me a good reason why one should be ahead of the other. And then I'm going to come over to Cody. It's a great, great question. And Billy Muzio and I, Muzio and I actually had the exact same group that we looked at um, in a redraft perspective this past week. And I think it's interesting, Alan, if you if you look at it. Because if, I'm, if you want to let redraft kind of influence your dynasty decision, J.K. Dobbins is easily the pick for this year. J.K. Mm-hmm. Dobbins has the highest ceiling um, of these three for 2023 so if i'm if i'm going for it and i'm a contender i am absolutely leaning into the dobbins side because dobbins has potential for double digit touchdowns in that offense i think that we all we love the the receiving upgrade that baltimore has uh we love the offensive coordinator upgrade in todd munkin uh we love the fact that lamar got the bag but at the end of the day when push comes to shove the ravens are going to run the ball and dobbins is the they, they added no competition to him um, so it's it's Dobbins and then, you know, a bunch of guys that Dobbins should beat out. So if Dobbins is healthy, Dobbins will have the highest ceiling this season. I love Rashad White. I would put him at number two because I think the receiving profile is excellent. And I would have Cam Akers as my third option uh, if I was choosing one of them. So if it's 2023 focused, it's absolutely Dobbins for me. 
Uh, and then if you want to stretch it to a little bit longer window, then it's it becomes Dobbins versus White for me. Uh, I know Akers has, has shown us something, but he hasn't shown us something consistently for a long period of time, and that matters. And that same argument can be put on Dobbins, but at least Dobbins has that awesome potential offense. Cody, Cam Akers finished the year on fire. Dobbins basically had a lost year. So what's the case for pushing Cam Akers above the other two? Theo already talked about him basically being the third of a great bunch of running backs. So why Cam Akers? Uh, well, I'd be I'd be on Team J.K. Dobbins number one out of these three guys here. Um, and formerly, I'd be on the Rashad White train. I just am not confident in this team returning the same uh, output that they did in 2022 or 2021. Obviously, with Tom Brady there, I think Mayfield's going to be enough, but it's still going to be a bad football team. And they've shown that they want to bring other pieces in, like even a Sean Tucker, who maybe some people are or aren't valuing, but it still matters because there's still people in that backfield, and they're probably bringing a free agent. Acres, though, on the other hand, I would probably have in that two area. Uh, I think as far as value goes, I think Acres is the best value out of this group right now. You look on the ADP tracker, J.K. Dobbins and Rashad White are going uh, 58th and 61st in traditional leagues, whereas you look all the way down to Cam Akers going 80th off the board right now with an ADP of 88.4, which his range is like 607 to the 1004. So it really depends on the draft you're getting yourself into. Um, I like Akers. I think that the Rams are doing the right thing as far as building this offensive line back out. Um, the team I don't think is going to be very good, but I think as far as expected for him, yes, they have Zach Evans there, but I think Cam Akers, this is his offense. He would have been gone if he, if they wanted him gone. They kept him there for a reason. I think it's not close right now for me between these three. I think J.K. Dobbins is clearly the top dog when it when it you're looking at the next three years and you're looking at 2023 uh, by itself. So I would say Dobbins acres and then Rashad white, which is weird because I love Rashad white. Yeah. The, uh, by the way, I should have warned you guys. One of the pieces of feedback that we got on the Sonic truth is don't mention the R word, not Rashad white. It's redraft. People say I tune in all week for player profiler for redraft stuff. This is my dynasty time. So don't mention it again, Theo. I, I will I will ban the word redraft uh, from the vernacular. I'll keep it only for Thursdays with Billy. You, you just got to use the word 2023 and then people will maybe yeah. not. Well, this and is what I told the, the commenters that I said that sometimes that, you know, we get in this dynasty mindset, guys, is that we're thinking about the next five or 10 years. You're really talking about the season in front of yeah. you and maybe the season after that. Yeah. So. That's that's exactly how I play. I mean, I don't know. I, th- I feel like that's the, the most optimal way to play Dynasty. I know Theo plays in probably a little more Dynasty leagues than I do, but it's like when I'm focusing on winning in Dynasty or even winning in Seasonal, I, le- I use both against each other. For seasonal, you can use some Dynasty strategy. For Dynasty, you can use some seasonal strategy, and I think they they they, they work together in that, just looking at talent in different, different perspectives. Well, we use a three-year window at, at Player Profiler when looking at Dynasty and considering rankings and all those sort of things. But I think when it comes to you know your wide receivers, your quarterbacks, certainly, and your tight ends, you can have a, a nice long-term view. But when it comes to your running backs, you really, really should and you really should focus in the in the near term because the running back landscape changes every single year in the NFL. Uh, it can change month to month in the NFL. We saw when we talked about you know, the the decision that Seattle had adding, you know, Zach Charbonnet. It's a it's a terrific example. You know, a guy that we think is very safe at the running back position, all of a sudden competition comes in there and high draft capital players, a cheap free agent can land somewhere. So I think with running backs, you you know, we're not supposed to use the redraft word, but I think redraft rankings should be a somewhat of a guide for for running back rankings because what you see is what you get and you can't plan on it being the exact same way two years from now. 
Now, you said it exactly right. I, I always say that the redraft rankings, guys, are the sobriety to the drunk dynasty rankings, right? Like last year, I used to use Mike Evans as the example where he was yeah. like wide receiver 38. And then in redraft, he was like wide receiver like nine. Obviously, he didn't pay off in those the, that ADP. But let's, uh, let's pause here for a quick break from our friends at Underdog to get a message about the be- uh, best ball mania is open. And we come back, guys. We're going to tell people what to do in their rookie drafts with picks seven through 12. Let's take a moment to talk about Underdog Fantasy. Now, many of you have already signed up. Thousands have signed up from Player Profile already over the years. Underdog has supported us since 2020. Much of what you see on Player Profiler is because of Underdog, because of their support. Get the Underdog app, plug in that promo code UNDERWORLD, and they're making the NBA fun. Their NBA pick'ems? It's changed my Wednesday night. It's changed my Sunday afternoon. I used to play Underdog just for the best ball drafts. I mean, the best ball drafts are amazing. These draft rooms fill so quickly, and... You can win life-changing money. You want to take advantage of all the sleepers we talk about on this show? Well, what better place than in an underdog draft room to do that? And I recommend taking your underdog play to the next level by diving into their NFL pick'ems. It's important to correlate those NFL pick'ems. You can pick both the quarterbacks and the wide receivers to exceed expectations. Correlate them and you can 5x your payout. Bada bing, bada boom. Underdog Fantasy, the promo code is Underworld. For an instant deposit match up to $100, underdog is the truest friend of the underworld. See, even when Matt Kelly's not here, he's here in spirit. I'm Alan Soslowski. is a reset from rotowire.com, moderator of the Sonic Truth Fantasy Football Podcast uh, that's dynasty-focused, not redraft-focused, right? Along with Cody Carpentier and, of course, Theo Greminger. Theo, rookie drafts, like we talked about, they come at you like a fire hose. People are in, not in two leagues. They're not in five leagues. They're in 25 leagues. And picks one through six in Superflex leagues are mostly the three quarterbacks, uh, Stroud Young and Anthony Richardson in some order. Of course, Bijan is at the top of that. And then we have JSN and Gibbs in some order. This is where the fun begins, where people are starting to trade back. So I'm going to go to each of you now. If you only had one league, Theo, and you're talking about a tight end premium, PPR, all the normal things that we love, all the bells and whistles, what's the correct order if there is one with this pick seven, eight, all the way to the end of the first round. Okay. So I'm, I play mostly single QB, but I do have a couple of, a couple of, uh, you know, super flex leagues and, and in for FFPC, the triflex leagues. And for me, there's a very clear player that I want to get at, at the seven overall, assuming that we see the big three quarterbacks, the two big two running backs and Jackson Smith and Jigba as the top six. I have focused in on Jordan Addison as the person that I want at the one Oh seven. I made a move, Alan, in a in a pretty high stakes uh, FFPC Triflex league where I traded Jimmy Garoppolo and the 112 to move up to the seven to get Addison because I think that that's going to be a, a pick that lasts for a long time. Uh, then it's kind of a, a pick your poison here. I think that Dalton Kincaid, Quentin Johnston, and Zay Flowers, depending on your preference and your rankings, that should be the next three. Um, and I think that's to me that's that's fairly clear for the for the seven eight nine ten. You have Kendra Miller, you have Devon A. Chain, you have some very promising running backs. But I feel like with with the draft capital put into these receivers, you can wait till like eleven twelve two oh one and still get those sort of those sort of exposure to those running backs. So for me, it's Addison. Uh, and then in FFPC, it would in FFPC tight end premium, it would be Kincaid next. Uh, Zay and Quentin Johnson kind of pick your poison there. I have leaned Zay Flowers, but I have picked a couple of Quentin Johnstons in, in case I'm incorrect on that one. But I like Zay Flowers a lot. All right. I want everyone in the chat to put who the next few picks should be in your order that you like right there. So after the big six, Cody, 
I saw you talking about it this morning on social media. Rishi Rice, does he belong in there, or is he going to be going there eventually? So the six that he just talked about seem to be in some order of what's going on. Is there anyone else that he didn't include that you believe should be in that next seven through 12? No, I don't think so. I think he mentioned them all. You know, if you're focusing in on tight end premium, I think um, that's the world where Kincaid does come in. And I think Mayer as well, being in Las Vegas, um, my focus in that whole tier right there would be Addison and then Flowers. And then I would kind of – what I've been trying to do is just move back and move out overall in round one. If I'm not in the top five where I get exactly what I want, whether it's Bijan Gibbs, Richardson, or even Addison, I'm drafting Addison all the way up into that range. I'm trying to get out. I got out from three to the six and the six into round two and, and garnered two uh, firsts in a league the other day in Superflex. And if you can do it, you do it. Otherwise, I think you just fall into that Quentin Johnston, that Kincaid, that Mayer. I, I just Theo knows us. I've talked about him, talked to him multiple times about this. I just it's tough for me to click that button on a tight end at the end of round one, even if it is tight end premium. It's just not something that I generally like to do. Uh, of course, Quentin has his situation where he's playing with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, and there's expectation that he should fill the shoes. But in year one, what's that look like? Flowers, of course, in Baltimore, what's that look like? Addison's really the one that I feel most confident about in this entire crew. It's interesting, though. I'll say, Cody, we talk about trade equity uh, as a thing that we yep. need to keep be aware of in dynasty leagues. And I'll say from an FFPC perspective, I have one league, a Josh Allen team, a high stakes one, where I, I pulled the trigger on Dalton Kincaid at the 105. I want the correlation there between the quarterback and yeah. tight end. I think if that hits, that really hits. And then I'm in a – Alan, you're in a startup in the same startup as I am. Uh, where we're doing a, a startup draft with a time splitting a team with Dan Williamson of the GOAT District. You're in there. Uh, Matt Kelly, the podfather, is in there. Scott Barrett's in there. Danny Kelly, Jax Falcone. It's, it's a sharp league. And you saw where Kincaid went, Alan. He went ahead of Pat Fryermuth in a startup. So he's already leapt Fryermuth, the guy who's who's done it for two straight years and a guy that, that the dynasty community is is you know, locked in on Fryermuth. You could flip Fryermuth for a 110 in pretty much any FFPC league right now. That's like he's a locked-in value, and Kincaid has jumped him. I've seen a lot of sharp money going in on Kincaid in the FFPC streets, and I feel like that's it's that matters because he doesn't need to hit in a huge way this year, and he's still going to gain value. Yeah. So, a- so even even if he misses any time at all, like you're you're banking on what you're saying is that these guys are going to keep that Cody their value just froze up a little bit there. It's okay. He's what he's talking about is that uh, I like that you're talking about Kin- Kincaid. Is- Cody, so I see Cody. Is he okay now? Yeah, he's good. Could you not hear? Could you not yeah. hear me? No, Cody. Finish finish what you were saying. I was just saying that I you're so you're saying is that you think hey, that can the you Kincaid hear me? Whole- because he's he's out. There we go. We can hear you. I can hear you both. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cody, for a second, um, he he had the circle of death going. You know, the little the buffering circle. But you're back now, Cody. Go ahead. You were talking about Kincaid and why that it would almost be impossible for him to lose value. No, I didn't say that. That's Theo. That's what I'm saying. Is Theo's inter- in- inferring that I think is what I'm asking is that Fryermuth being what he is, I think he's a model of consistency to tight end position. Does Kincaid bring that same thought to you? Because Kincaid leaped Fryermuth already, but there's a volatility in my mind with a Kincaid. There's 24, I've brought this up, 24 years old. He's got the back injury. He's only got one year of real output. And yes, he looks unreal, but I feel like there's a lot of volatility in that where, yes, right now you maybe pay, pay that 105. Yes, you could probably trade you know, him potentially down the road for something, but are you really going to trade him down the road? Like what if he, what if he bombs out or – I mean, I think there's a world where he bombs out and then you can't sell him for anything. Or I guess there's that world where you're expect they're expecting him to jump into that Kittle area and, and be in the top five, right? Is that kind of your expectation? Because I don't foresee you ever, you know, 
of course, it's dynasty. You can trade anybody at any time, but I don't foresee you if, if a Kincaid hits ever moving him, right? Yes, but it's still, you want to have that flexibility in that option because you, you in, I feel like that's an important thing, having movable assets and having draft picks you can move. I think that's like a definitely something like you don't want guys on your dynasty roster that, that you can't pivot off of. But for me, Kincaid, the way that he's being treated right now, and I know, Alan, we're talking about when it comes to draft capital, NFL draft capital, they're not in the same ballpark. But right yeah. now, Kincaid is worth what what TJ Hawkinson was as a rookie. That's that's the reality we live in, where TJ Hawkinson was going in a similar range in, in rookie drafts, and the dynasty market is in fuego for him. And Kincaid also steps into the league at a time where you see a few of these you know, very valuable uh, dynasty tight ends are, are aging. They're getting older. George Kittle's getting older. Travis Kelsey's already old. Darren Waller is older. So it's like it's a kind of a perfect entry point for him where you have the, the quarterback uh, pairing with Josh Allen. You have the aging tight end marketplace. And then you have Kincaid. And then we also see, Cody, this week the news that came out that Zach Ertz says that he was supposed to go to Buffalo. That Buffalo mm-hmm. tried to get Zach Ertz and it got overruled. He ends up in Arizona. I think Buffalo has wanted a guy like this where for better or for worse, Kincaid could obviously fail. Like, you know, NFL players fail. Alan, you you talk about this where it's easier to to just kind of bet against these guys, but Buffalo's gonna give him yeah. every opportunity to fill the Kelsey role. Not in the same, not in the same, you know, style. He's not gonna I'm not saying he's got 150 targets, but they've lost in the playoffs to Kansas City now. Uh, and they they are been competing with Kansas City for that AFC title. They want a tight end who can do some of the same things stylistically and win in some of the same ways. He will not reach that level, but I do think it's possible that he could be a Zach Ertz type player in the league, which is bold. But I think that that's the archetype. He's never going to be Kelsey, but I think he can be an Ertz. You know, you know, interesting guys, and I, I brought this up to to you offline that if Dalton Kincaid didn't have the letters W um, T E next to his name, and he had the letters W R next to his name when he was drafted, and it was a first round wide receiver drafted by the Buffalo Bills, we'd be thinking about him completely different. It's not like Kincaid was drafted for his blocking acumen, Cody. Yeah, but it, I mean, it's a it's an entirely different prospect for me. Like if it was like a Zay Flowers, I think would be a different conversation because the the type of athlete that he is. If he was twenty two years old, not closing on twenty four, if he didn't have the back injury, like that's really why I'm pushing against it because it's like the red flags are there. Take the red flags and wait. Like make him prove to you that he's going to hit. Like wait, you know, you say the price is there, right? The price of of one hundred five is there. I'm not paying 105, but you're saying you can trade trade for Fryermuth with the 110. Okay, so if by week three this guy hits, how old is Fryermuth? Fryermuth is 24.5, Kincaid's 23.5. Okay, so give me three weeks, four weeks. If he hits in the first four weeks as a rookie, okay, I'm there. I'll pay the extra premium to prove that he's there. I'll give you a 24 first if four weeks in and, and he's exactly what I expected. But I just spending that 105 just is a is a lot of capital for me on an injured and you know on an injured tight end with one year of output that's aging. That that's that's kind of where I sit with the whole thing. It's kind of what you just referred to with Alan is like prove it, prove prove that you can hit. Like I, I just it's a it, it seems steep for me. My average price has been about the 107 for him in FFPC leagues. So that's been like kind of my average price. And I think that, Cody, you, you did hit on one one very interesting thing there was if you are worried about Kincaid, then you can absolutely use that pick and contact the Fryermouth manager. Or yeah. you can go older where you can trade for one of these older tight ends fairly easily with, with Kincaid, where you know what you're getting in 2023 and you hope that you're getting about the same in 2024 
but you can flip Kincaid for that. Like he's he's in Fuego right now uh, in tight end premium. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Uh, Kincaid, I think he's he's an interesting pick because of his tight end designation that adds value in a league where unless you have unless you're either the haves or the have nots. You know, if you're just yeah. plugging in tight end nine every week, you're sometimes above water, and a lot of times you're not. So if you have the opportunity to get that guy, it's a lot cheaper than Kyle Pitts was, and he was a first round tight end, right? You have to take Kyle Pitts with your first or second pick in non superflex. At least now it's a back end of the first round, and you probably have a similar shot to at least be a top five tight end. Let's move on though. Because because Kendra Miller, the running back that was drafted by the New Orleans Saints in the third round, guys, got a little bit of a hype blurb going on. Okay, things are uh, we we need to refocus. If this is the guy that we should be pushing up in the first round, I know Cody said that that's a possibility. Um, you guys liked him as an all-purpose back, maybe a little bit light on the catches. Sixteen coming out of college, I believe, in that last year. But goes into New Orleans with Alvin Kamara. I would say there's a Better than 50% chance he misses, you know, the first month and a half of the season. We don't know yet. Jamal Williams is, you know, a spirit animal at best, right? He's just someone that the coach is like on the team. Is this opening up for Kendra Miller to be like, we can just like fast forward to the rankings next year and he's like a second round pick. So I'll start with Cody this time. And Cody, uh, is the market undervaluing Miller or am I just buying into that hype blurb that the assistant GM put out about him yesterday? I think I think the value is proper to be honest with you. I don't think he's deserving of a complete round one like okay 107 108. I don't think he deserves to be in that conversation. I think, you know, the 2, you know, 112 to 208 area like anywhere in between there, I would consider that a fine value for Kendra and not overpaying because when you look at him on the surface, you look at Elvin Kamara's contract, he's got to out after the 2024 or potential going into 2024 after the 2023 season. He's got 24 million in dead cap this year, 16 the following year. Like it gets, it's ballooned right now for Camara. So you got the suspension, you got an out in your contract after the year. Then they have Jamal Williams there. I think Kendra is going to stay a value for an extended amount of time. You remember going back to even Camara's rookie year when it was him and Ingram, him and Ingram. And yes, Camara had some big boom games, but so did Ingram. So I think it's a world where. I don't think that Kendra is going to exactly like break out in year one, but I think there's going to be value there throughout to have him on your roster and for that potential thing to happen where there's a suspension for Kamara, you know, Jamal gets hurt and all of a sudden you're, you're thrusted into 22, 24, 26 touches uh, in a consistent, you know, week span. And I think this offense is going to be pretty efficient with Derek Carr coming over and they got enough weapons on this offense. I think it's going to be an efficient offense. I don't think it's going to be a, a tier one offense by any means, but I think he's properly valued. So uh, he's a guy that I've been taking Alan in single QB leagues. I've, I've really loved getting him at like the one twelve and the two Oh one. Yeah. That's been like a perfect spot for him. I've seen him go higher than that. We've seen a high stakes, very high stakes league in FFPC where somebody, not my league, but uh, one, uh, you know, a, one, a couple of high stakes players were talking about. It. There was one very high stakes league where we went the one hundred six. So there's people, there's people steaming Kendra. And here's the thing that the, about Kendra is Kendra's the NFL kind of ex- explained to us the value that they have in him with the draft capital because we didn't see him test and he still goes on day two. So if he would have gone to the combine. You know, he could have gone where Zach Charbonnet was. I think that, you know, that was like it was reassuring for him to get the day two draft capital. And then it's kind of a perfect it's a perfect entry point team for him because he falls into a potential three headed backfield, which will scare off certain league mates of yours. They don't want to deal with that mess. But you have a 27 year old Alvin Kamara. You have a 28 year old Jamal Williams. This is the NFL. Father time is undefeated. And Kendra Miller is 20 and a half years old. He's 215 pounds. And while he didn't have like the sheer receiving numbers, there was target competition on that team. 
they had multiple multiple receivers drafted in the NFL this year, including Quentin Johnson, who was a first round pick. So I think like he's the sort of back at 20 and a half years old that, you know, I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that catches like a massive amount of, of balls, but I think he's going to catch enough balls to be fantasy relevant. It could happen sooner than later with him. Like with older running backs, you mentioned the Alvin Kamara situation. Uh, you know, like I like Jamal Williams. He's a fun player. The guy had a ton of touchdowns last year, but at the end of the day, Jamal Williams has always been a committee running back. He's had weeks of uh, where he's the man, but if there's no Kamara, then Kendra Miller will rise uh, this season's rankings. I'm not going to use that R word. And he's our, and the dynasty managers who took him will feel really a little bit better about year one, but he's a, I mean, it's not like we're, we're it's not like a, a leap of faith here. You're investing in a 215 pound back with wheels uh, who's in a situation where he he's surrounded by a 27 and 28 year old back. I mean, it's going to happen at some point. Cody, the big decision in these rookie drafts, and I know all the player profiler people that are in all these Patreon leagues and they're in their FFPC leagues, they're deciding, they're on the clock, they need a running back, they've committed to that, and they're looking at Kendry Miller, and they're looking at Devon A-Chain, the smaller back who went to Miami. So what's the correct pick? Which one of them is going to have more fantasy value over the next three seasons? Kendry Miller. Like, what well, I know Theo is, a, is an A-Chain fan. I... I respect A-Chain, but I also understand that all these comps are complete fugues and that comparing him to a C.J. Spiller, a Chris Johnson, any of these dudes that were back in the early 2000s, that how many carries did Chris Johnson have that year he went for 2,000? 360. There is zero worlds in this world where Devon A-Chain is going to have north of 200 touches in a season, in my opinion. So what's the better comp for him if it's not those guys? Is it Darren Sproles, Cody? It's the dudes in his own backfield. It's Mostert and it's Wilson. Like That's Uh the perfect – and that's like a respectable thing, but it's not value at the the start of round two, in my opinion. And he he goes in there. He's going to fit well. Is there going to be a game where he maybe touches the 2022 area of touches in a game? Sure, but I don't think that that's – I don't think you can expect that week in and week out with a guy with this 185 pound frame that, you know, he, he could do it a little bit in college, but he never did it on the long term. He like even Chris Johnson who took on that big of a workload didn't last the longest in the NFL. I just don't see that in the real range of outcomes. And for that, I would take the 215 pound guy in Kendra Miller, who's not 21 years old yet in an offense that has done it with a Camara. Now they have Jamal, like there's enough bodies there to teach him, Every aspect of everything. You got Kamara, the elite receiver, and you got Jamal, the elite grinder, inside the ten yard line. He he's going to learn and soak this up for the first year, and then Kendra. I mean, what's the ceiling for him in year two, three, four? Like where Devon Achan, it's like okay, well he could just get stuck in a flow where you see Mostert, you see Wilson, these guys, even like Elijah Mitchell, right? Elijah Mitchell's got that speed and, and he hits that hits the edge quick and he can get up there. But what's the what's the ceiling for that? This is the ceiling that he's going to score twenty seven touchdowns because he's you know whatever he's efficient. I just don't I don't think that there's a world where a chain can match Kendra, let alone surpass him in in a, in a three four five year span. Theo, tell okay. him why he's wrong. So A chain, <laughs> I, I I'm I'm into Kendra and I've been drafting Kendra, but when I have a one ten, like that's A chain. A chain A chain has been the I'm sorry. A chain A chain is guys like the thing about A chain. There's certainly more risk with the profile. Kendra Miller is is a safer profile, but A chain does have that immense opportunity this year. And Cody, I will say that the I will say this the the thing about A chain is. I think McDaniel has plans for him as a receiver out of the backfield. And I'm not in a massive way, but with that sort of explosiveness that he has, if they can unlock that, he's never going to be a credible volume guy on the ground. It's not in his makeup. If you're looking for a guy who can handle 20 carries in an NFL game, it's Kendra Miller. 
A chain yep. though has a has a path with his speed, with his explosiveness in that offense with those two receivers. There's a path this year for A chain, and that does matter. Like as much as I referenced the Kendra Miller this year, you know, outs. He's got Kendra Miller has outs this year, like where the Kamara suspension would elevate him. You know, potentially overtaking Jamal Williams in a committee would elevate him. That's outs. A chain is going to be flat out the best back in Miami this season, in my opinion. You reference Jeff Wilson, you reference Raheem Mostert. Those are veterans. Those are guys that I think A chain can pass right away. And I think that you said this, you know, on draft night. We're sitting there during the the reaction where I'm, you know, I'm brushing dirt off my shoulders because my man A chain lands in the nut spot to Miami. And you even were, you love the landing spot that night because and of also course. having those and having those two backs in that committee will help him because you can have the most valuable touches can go to a chain. And I think a chain's also the kind of guy that you can use in gadget ways where they're going to do manufactured touches to have a third speed guy in that offense. A chain. We hate to elevate guys because of, because of landing spot. I, I don't think that's the right way to do it, but a chain already had a, a day two grade. You already knew he was going to go day two. He goes day two and he lands in a fantastic spot to a, to a coach who knows how to use speed. I mean, it's been proven. Like the Mike McDaniel offense last year, you knew it was coming with those two guys. And it continually was successful, and he continued to get the ball in their hands. I think now with A-Chain, he has a potential third third wheel, not in this, not nearly you know, the Waddle-Tyreek-Hill level, but a, a change-of-pace guy out of the backfield. You can use him as a receiver. You can use him in different ways. And with his speed, I think he's super interesting. Cody, you'll Would get the you- final word here, and then we'll wrap up, and we'll move on to the next. I was going to say, where did you have him, though, before the before the draft? Because like going into the draft, this was the only landing spot. We knew he was going to Miami. It was but expected to be at 51, not 85. Like there's you can say like, OK, he's going to get used in the passing game. Right. What what coach in their right mind would say, OK, this guy, he's similar to Mostert. He's similar to Wilson. He can run downhill. He's a great zone runner put your foot in the dirt and go. He's got that four, three speed. Why, why use him? And I don't think he's got the best dexterity, the best lower, the less, the best lower body athleticism. You know, he's, he's a straight line guy. I don't see him having near the same athleticism as a Tyreek or a Jalen Waddle being especially. No, 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 the no, no not like this. Agree with you. But this, what I'm saying is hey, like, hey, you hey. have the Tyreek and you have the Waddle. Why would you, I just don't see them actually using him out. And I understand like your, your theory behind it of, as far as, leveraging him in fantasy football and getting the passing game work. I just, from a team perspective, seeing what they did, especially in San Francisco, I only think it elevates uh, Tyreek Hill even more because he, he, I don't think, so it would be, is Devon A-Chain the Debo Samuel role? No, I think that still belongs to Tyreek Hill and it's always going to belong to Tyreek Hill. I don't think that, you know, all this is going to do is just open up that for Tyreek, open up Tyreek Hill even more and more. That's kind of what I think. Yes, yeah, stylistically, all right, guys, just remind me, and I'll add hold one on, thing hold out. on. Hold on a second, guys. We got it. We got to keep it moving. I think that we're going to do is, you know, we we we've heard two good arguments about it. We're going to let the jury decide. If you're in the chat, hold on one second. Hold on one sec. We're going to let the jury decide. Is it Devon A. Chain uh, with uh, with Theo's argument, or is it Cody's argument with Kendra Miller? I want you to decide. Put in the chat who's right. But we're going to move on because we got it. I mean, we could talk about it all day, but we have you another. Can draft, you can draft. I was going to say draft he's, both. He's, 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 He's closing the door on a on a Clyde Edwards Jonathan Taylor conversation this, right here. But it's, it's, so it's guys, guys, we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna move on right now. We're gonna move on. Great arguments on both sides, okay? And I can't decide. That's why I'm in thirty leagues. I'm gonna take half of each. I think these guys both make compelling arguments. All right. At the next uh, the next topic we're gonna talk about is Kadarius Tony. There, it's so obvious to me 
that other than him missing a lot of games, and that's why Kadarius Tony is discounted in your dynasty startup leagues, is he the obvious wide receiver one for Patrick Mahomes, who's already displayed electric upside Theo Greminger? Why the hell aren't we treating this guy like, you know, in maybe just below some of those young elite guys? If if his upside, Kadarius Tony gets reached with Patrick Mahomes, we're talking about a top five wide receiver, top 10 wide receiver in dynasty fantasy football. I don't want to have my heart broken by Kadarius Tony, Alan. Like I think that we've we've done that before. I, I think if Kadarius Tony, I think that you're the 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 price you're paying for him would probably be like a wide receiver three level price right now. I think you should be happy if he's returning you continual wide receiver three value. And with his athletic ability, he will have the spike weeks to kind of push that over the edge. I think that's an outcome that I think, you know, is a reasonable one. If we're projecting Kadarius Tony to be some big time thing this year, I think everybody's going to get their hearts broken. Them drafting Rasheed Rice. Rasheed Rice is a guy you talk about fantastic landing spots like Rasheed Rice. I don't think is ever going to be a wide receiver one in this league, but I think that he's got a path to being a Tyler Boyd like player attached to a great quarterback. Um, I don't want to use the word gadget as like a negative thing, but Kadarius Tony is is somewhat gadgety in the sense that you get manufactured touches for him. Uh, you know, he's I don't want to get I don't want to get people's hopes up. I don't want to get the hype train going. I think if you have wide receiver three type production out of him with spike weeks, I think that would be a nice outcome. Cody, do you think there's anything more to Tony than that right now? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I do. And you bring in Rashi and I, I love Rashi, but Rashi by himself, he did not, he came in 15 pounds heavier than we thought he was to the senior bowl. And that was like a, a, a letdown because it was like 185 pounds. He kind of has this Garrett Wilson esque feel to him. He came in 200 and he looked sloppy. He lost, he looked sluggish. And then he kind of grew throughout the entire process. And I think, you know, you bring up the Tyler Boyds of the world. I think uh, Adam Thielen's of the world. So it's like borderline two, three in an offense would be the ideal spot for a, um, uh, Rashi Rice. Oh, the question is, who in this offense is the number one? Right? There's Marcus Veldes Scantling is not a number one. He's a stretch by himself. He's going to be out there being his own thing. So right now you're looking at Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore. I think for who's going to be that one. And both of these guys have that dog, that nasty in them, where they have the. I wouldn't say that. Okay, so. When I say alpha, alpha is right. Jefferson, Chase, Evans, DK, right? They don't have that level alpha, but they do have the Garrett Wilson level alpha where they can come out and they can lead an offense and targets. And I don't see a world where, you know, I do see a world where Kadarius Tony competes with Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony beats out Sky Moore for that number one role, right? In quotations, because obviously Kelsey is there and he's the mainstay. But when you look at Tony last year, I tweeted this out back in February. I said, wide receiver one, Kadarius Tony for the Kansas City Chiefs. 49.2% route win rate, which would have been 10th across the NFL ahead of Jalen Waddle. 52.5% route win rate versus zone. That's ahead of CeeDee Lamb. 52.5% is hella good, but he didn't qualify because he didn't run enough routes last year. So if Kadarius Tony can stay healthy, and that's the number one thing, right? But at the value you're paying for Kadarius Tony right now, I don't see why you don't click that button. I'm going to be clicking it in 2023, 2024, 2025, and 2026 unless something drastic happens and he's maybe out of the league. But I, I love Kadarius Tony, and I don't see why Patrick Mahomes couldn't elevate it. It's so, so easy to see 
Kadarius Tony being elevated to that elite level next year, it's so hard to unsee what we saw with that elite upside. It's just that injury. You're getting the the the, the commensurate discount yeah. with a player like that. That's what's so great about it. But also um, Sky's there. Sky's there too. So Sky is like another a, a different piece to this entire thing that can derail him or enhance him because we didn't see a lot out of Sky last year, but I think they both have a lot to bring to the table. So, you know, it could eat at each other or I don't know. It's kind of an interesting, interesting well, dichotomy though. So it's going to be 150 targets for Kelsey again. Check. Yep. The thing about Sky Moore is it's Sky Moore and Tony. I do I do think have like kind of conflicting skill sets where they they both can do some of the similar things. So I think they do kind of uh, if if they're going to both be out there consistently, it, it brings both of them down slightly. If one would go away, then there there would be like a, a clear a more clear path for me. That's what makes Rice interesting. Because Rice is different than those other two. Rice has more size. Uh, Rice is just he's he's different than 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 pretty much any other wide receiver in that offense. You talk about MVS as a role player, just a downfield threat. That's pretty much it. Um, but I think it, it's going to be a very bal- a little bit more balanced than we like to see in terms of the wide receiver target tree. And I think that we also have to remember that McKinnon is going to be a chief again this year, and he'll be a a weekly a, a take away a couple of weekly targets as well. It's going to be a great offense. Um, I think that it's reasonable to take bets on all three of those guys right now in Dynasty because, Alan, none of them are super expensive. I actually put a Twitter yeah. poll out a couple weeks ago, and I said, who would you, who is going to be more valuable one year from today, Kadarius Tony, Rashi Rice, or Sky Moore? And Kadarius Tony gets like 55% of the vote, and then it's like split split down the middle with the other two. So there's opportunities entry and entry points for all three of them uh, right now yeah. in Dynasty, Alan. The other thing that we have to remember is that Patrick Mahomes hasn't really found a guy that's as reliable as Kelsey. And if that proves to be any one of these guys, he will undoubtedly, as a smart football player, go to them, right? If Sky Moore proves that he can handle nine targets a game and really turn those into something, you better believe. And that would probably come from Kelsey or maybe some of the other pieces of the pie, guys. We're talking about wide receivers when you mentioned Rishi Rice. And earlier in the in the live stream, we were talking about uh, the end of the first round as we drip into the second round of our rookie draft. Marvin Mims, the wide receiver drafted by the Denver Broncos, Cody, he seems to go anywhere from 2-5 to the end of the round. Uh, I I mean, it looks like he's blocked now, but what have we learned in Dynasty Fantasy Football? What's blocked today can be completely wide open tomorrow, so where should drafters that are in their rookie drafts be looking at Marvin Mims, and what kind of a player do you expect him to be for fantasy? I, I love Marvin Mims, and this is really weird. It's a really hard button to press. You're sitting in drafts, and you're looking at Jaden Reed, or you're looking at Mims. You're getting to the end of the third, and you're looking at all these tight ends, the Laportas of the world, the Washingtons of the world, or you're looking at Mims. And nobody wants to click on that Mims button because he's in Denver, and it's like it's Denver. Russ wasn't good last year. They have Sutton and Judy. You know They have running backs, whatever. This It's a new offense. But then you pull yourself back and you go, yeah, but Mims was pretty efficient at Oklahoma for back-to-back years with Caleb Williams and Dylan Gabriel. And then what did Sean Payton do his first year in New Orleans? He drafted Kenny Stills in the fifth round. Kenny Stills came in. I think he had 680 or something like this, 680 receiving yards. The next year, even though with Kenny Stills on the roster, he dressed Brandon Cook's first round. Body shape, body type, similar as Marvin Mims, these two are. He trades Kenny Stills. He rolls with Brandon Cook's. I think – 
this is that guy for Sean Payton. I think this is Sean Payton's Brandon Cooks, and I think this is Russell Wilson's Tyler Lockett. It's going to be a guy that's forever val- – he just feels like that guy that's going to be forever valuable, and, and everyone's going to disrespect the name, disrespect the, the the value, disrespect where he's going in drafts, and you're just going to continue to hit the button, hit the button, hit the button. Remember, K.J. Hamler's got a torn peck. He's out four to six months. This is Marvin Mims's job, and I don't see a reason why he can't pick it up, put it down in year one for Denver, and uh, you know, is Cortland Sutton – is he, is he on the downhill? Is Jerry Judy going to stay there? I don't know, but I do know that Marvin Mims is going to be there for the next four years, and I do know that Sean Payton used his first pick. He actually moved up a few spots to get Marvin Mims. I like that. I trust that. I like value. I'll take the value of Marvin Mims. Where you're going to get him, you can take him literally anywhere. I took him at the 203 because I had the 202, 203, and 204 in a draft, but I've also seen him fall to the end of round two. I've seen him fall to the 301. So, you know, I'd love to hear where Theo's, if he's taken him at all or where he fell to for him. But for me, if I'm on the clock anywhere in that range, I will take Mims over the likes of a Laporta for the similar reasons I talked about earlier. It's not because I don't like Laporta. It's because I'll wait and see. Prove it to me, and then I'll come get you at tight end. And a Mims is just going to be a guy I think, continually valuable i love mims i've been drafting the hell out of mims and i I said like cody said it's been in a pretty much the whole second round range alan i took him at the the 211 um i've taken him in in the high you know the high second round as well you haven't i've seen him slide in at like the the one two turn maybe once but most of the time he's living in the second round the thing about mims is it's sort of like kendra miller you get a discount because of the crowded situation, but Mims is the youngest wide receiver there. And also, this is a guy like Cody mentioned, uh, Sean Payton traded up to get. They didn't have a pick in round two. He traded into round two to leapfrog somebody to get Mims. Um, so, you know, we talk about like the Judys, the Sutton, but at the end of the day, Denver was dead last in points per game last year. Javante Williams is out. Samaje Piran is the is the running back of choice right now. They are starving for offensive weapons who can do things with the ball in their hands. And Marvin Mims can win in different ways. He's 21 years old. Cody referenced the efficiency. We know he's got the wheels. He tested great at the combine. This is a great entry point opportunity for you as a dynasty manager because of Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. And at the end of the day, a year from now, he's going to be worth more than Sutton. And I'd say that you could put a percentage that he could be worth more than Judy in a year. I wouldn't bet money on it. Like I like Judy. He's got a clean profile, but there's these things change in dynasty. He'll be worth more than Sutton in a year easily. Trade equity right now. He already is worth more. Do you guys remember when CD lamb was perceived in a crowded uh, wide receiver core because Amari Cooper was ahead of him. That was a thing that actually happened in dynasty drafts. Yeah. But so CD was, was so locked in in those drafts that he was still going high despite the, despite that. Yeah. The Gallup, the Amari and it was, then CD. It was a thing. But it CDs, was a thing. you still didn't get like a super a super discount. Like Mims, you're getting a real discount. He's not as clean a prospect as CD. And then I'm glad you referenced CD because Oklahoma wide receivers used to used to always fail. And now they've been hitting. CD Lamb and Hollywood Brown both hit. And now you get Marvin Mims coming in there. And Cody, you make an interesting point because I, I really like Jaden Reed. And I know that's one of your guys as well. But if I'm looking for 2023 production in that second round range, I, I would probably lean with Reed Bingo. because because Reed has the clear path this year. But if I'm looking at a three year window, I'm going with Mims. Mims is younger yep. than him; he's considerably younger. It's a 21 year old versus a 23 year old. Um, and again, they're both second round picks. Reed gets selected earlier, um, but 2023 production, I think I think Reed is is safe unless Jerry Judy goes down then it's going to be Reed outscoring uh, Marvin Mims. But over the next three years, I'll take Mims out producing Reed. 
All right. We're going to even look at that offense, too. It's the, the offense is just exciting by itself. People are going to continue to hate on it, but I mean, it's Sean Payton. Yeah. He went and got him. It's Russell Wilson. He's only going to get more efficient, and you're competing. Like you said, it's Jordan Love, and it's Jaden Reed and Christian Watson. It's a whole different dynamic in, in both worlds. So, yeah, I like that. Cody, my next question is going to be for you, but I just need you to make a, help me make a pick right now while I'm on the clock. Am I taking Josh Downs, or am I taking Marvin Mims in, in my most important dynasty league? What's that going to be? Ready, Theo, on three, say it. It's One, Marvin Mims. Two, Sorry. three, Marvin Mims. Okay. I like Downs a lot, Alan, but you can let yeah. the NFL be your guide here. And also a slot-wide receiver – attached to anthony richardson a scrambling qb that's that is be tough the your your out is downs being worth more than Pittman a year from now which is really really hard to see because i don't see a whole lot of wide receivers like i think downs will be a useful player but if you're looking for a guy that can reach wide receiver two level it's yeah. mims downs downs will be in the league a long time though he's a good very yeah. good player i i like him but is, uh, isn't mims. that the same situation you were talking about earlier guys with the um with with uh, jordan, Addi- jordan addison i was going to say because he can never be the wide receiver one on his own team you're hoping he's the wide receiver two it looks like he's going to be but when you're talking about him versus quentin johnson or someone that you don't like as much those guys all seem to have the the ability to ascend to the yeah. wide receiver one so why is it different with the second round wide receivers guys well, there's the, the Addison has the draft capital. Addison has the very clean profile, and I think that Minnesota is a extremely pass happy team. We've seen this in the past, so it's but isn't the, aren't the Chargers too with Quinton Johnson there? That's my point. It's Quinton Johnson versus Addison, and then the other section that we're we're comparing it to is Mims uh, versus you know any of those receivers in the second round. We talked about Downs. Quinton Johnson to me never projects to be a guy that's going to be a a massive target type guy. Like I think that you're you're talking about a potential wide receiver one in the sense that on his the, own team for on his own team on the, in the sense that there's a path there because of the age of Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, but I think at the end of the day, Quinton Johnston uh, he projects more into like a Mike Williams role where you're sort of capped by the the target ceiling there, and I think more likely than not, if Keenan Allen moves on next year, they're going to be forced to bring in another wide receiver. So I I like I mean Johnston landed extremely extremely well, whereas Jordan Addison. He lands into a situation with a wide receiver who commands targets in Justin Jefferson and a tight end who commands targets in Hawkinson. But I do believe it's going to be a very consolidated target tree between the three of them. I think Osborne slides down to a natural role where he'll be a weekly pop guy more 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 than a guy you're leading on weekly production. But Addison also now has the advantageous matchup every single week in that offense because defenses have to key on Justin Jefferson, who's arguably arguably the best offensive player in the entire league. Um, and I think that Addison has always had to have you know this uh, defensive attention no matter where he's gone. Now he's going to go up against number two cornerbacks. He wins in the similar fashion that like Stephon Diggs or Jerry Judy can win. And I think he's just it's such an easy path for Addison. And Alan, we talk about wide receiver ones, uh, excuse me, multiple players hitting in the same offenses all the time in fantasy football. You think about the Godwins and the Evans you talked about earlier. You talk about the T. Higgins and the Jamar Chases. I mean, this this is a, a continual thing. A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith, these, these top-notch wide receivers, when they play next to one another, they usually elevate each other. 
Yeah. So, you know, it's Cody. I mean, you have anything to add with that? Well, here we're we're, um, we're going to close that up because I, I need to ask uh, Cody about another situation. I think that at that point we put that, the, you know, which wide receiver to take in the second round. Now, these guys both say Marvin Mims, let Josh Downs fall to the third round in some cases. But Cody, one of the things that I know is being in 38 dynasty leagues, I don't even need to check ADP. I see ADP moving in real time in real leagues. OK, so why do I keep seeing Zach Evans, the rookie running back that was drafted, what, the fifth or sixth round? by the Rams six round he keeps going from he went undrafted uh, in my in one of my uh, rookie five round leagues yeah. to fifth round to fourth round now I'm seeing him routinely taken in the early part of the third round what's happened with Zach Evans and this was like a Debbie darling right so start with the beginning how did he rise fall and now he's moving back up again well he's one of the one of the all-time best prospects coming out uh, of, of high school as a running back out of Texas he goes to uh, TCU and of course has a couple good good seasons but he stays banged up he's off the field he's on the field and he plays a couple games it is what it is and then Kendra comes in there and Kendra does great Mari DiMarcado does great and Zach Evans is like, well, peace out, I'm leaving. He goes over to Ole Miss, and he has a good season. Well, he played with Quinshawn Judkins. is going to be one of the best running backs we've seen uh, going forward in 2024, 2025, whichever year he comes out. So Evans has kind of been dealt with situations that have been suboptimal in college, whether he's been off the field or on the field. When he is on the field, of course, it's playing with Kendra and Judkins. Evans has massive hands. Evans is hyper-talented. I talked about this early, early in the process last fall, saying that, you know, Bijan's the clear uno in this class. It's not close, but if there's one guy in this class that has a talent and the upside and the ability to overtake Bijan in the three, five-year glance, it would be Zach Evans because Evans was perceived to come in at 215 pounds, have the 4-4 speed, have the hyper-talent, have the upside, have the abilities in the pass-catching game. Like a Camara, he came in at 205. He looked slender. He looked lean. He didn't have the best interviews. Uh, and then, of course, the off-field stuff, which I've talked to a couple people that you know that were both friends with that lived down in Texas and said, you know, he isn't maybe the the most friendly person off the field. Maybe he's had a couple of situations that are just like awkward and weird, and hey, Cody, that rubbed Cody, off on I, his team. That, they always talk about off off field with him, but again, I, my very peripheral understanding is that it's not like he was involved in anything nefarious. It was just like you said that he's a little bit him. hardened, maybe the way he grew up and something exactly. about his his you know his uh, patriarch. His grandfather passing so is that yeah. uh, isn't that someone you kind of want on your team kind of but in the weird in the in the in the same sense it's like and again i don't know anything deep about I. this guy so i don't want to be you know that good dude but what i will say is everything i've heard has been just like these odd uh odd verbals of communication where it's like he's just not quite like maybe you say normal like he's 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 all the way there he just Maybe he doesn't care about like I could say you know I don't like people I only like certain people that communicate and and I, and I click with. He might be the same way. He might be a guy that just is like if, if I don't mess with you, I don't mess with you. That might just literally be how he ticks. I don't know, but everything that we've heard from interviews and things like that, it's been negative towards him in that facet. And he's had the ta- he has the talent to be a second round pick point blank. It's just that there's just like flag after flag after flag pushed him down to the sixth round. I think that this Rams backfield to, to, to come full circle and answer the question is I think he does have special traits. McVay is one a million percent correct on that. That's what I just got done saying five-star prospect. He goes in, he's got weird situations. If they can dial him in, which remember Cam Akers wasn't the, 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 the cleanest crystal on the tree neither. So 
He comes in, he plays with a Cam Akers that maybe came through some situations. Uh, Cam Akers worked with Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook maybe teaches Cam Akers. Cam Akers teaches Zach Evans, so on and so forth. You're looking at a situation that is ideal for Zach Evans. Uh, also, my boy Tion Evans is in there as well, so there's two Evans in, in, in uh, Los Angeles. But I do think Zach Evans has the traits, and going undrafted in rookie drafts is interesting. Not anymore. If he goes undrafted. Not no, anymore, right, Theo? Where's he going say, in FFPC he, now, Theo? I say, so, I'm adding him at the, the, right now to taxi squads. The yeah. two the two guys that I feel like are there's a couple of guys where people end up kind of attaching themselves to uh it's Chase Brown and it's Zach Evans because they both land in a they both land into kind of clear handcuff type roles Eric Gray slightly gets put into that mix too because he landed so perfectly behind Saquon Zach Evans is interesting though because like for we don't it's it's difficult to bet on these very late draft pick guys because you know their chance of making the team kind of is is already already a difficult one but he lands very very well where his competition is like Kyron Williams and an undrafted Tion Evans so if he ends up winning the handcuff role in year one, there's going to be some some juice right there in terms of what dynasty managers like. It's all it's just kind of difficult though, Alan, betting on on a super super late round guy because they're you know the NFL teams are always kind of view them as replaceable. They they don't really hit that often. Uh, so I don't want to you know we talk about windows like treat Zach Evans as a as a handcuff this year. If you have Cam Akers, prioritize getting Zach Evans. Uh, and Chase Brown's getting almost overdrafted at this point. I see Chase Brown going in the second round of FFPC mm-hmm. drafts, Alan. He's getting yeah. steamed up to the second round of FFPC drafts. So um, that I did not expect. And I'm seeing some you know, very sharp drafters getting in on Chase. So I think they're betting on Chase Brown having the P. Ryan role from last year. And they're thinking that there's an out with, with Joe Mixon where some situation might go south. Um, which I think that kind of ship has sailed with with Mixon. I think if anything would have, if the Bengals believed that there would have been anything where Mixon would have missed time this year, I think they would have drafted somebody earlier or brought in a free agent already. We so talk, I, th- yeah, I was saying we talked about using the redraft market in Dynasty. Joe Mixon's a riser in the underdog redraft yeah. market, so I think yeah. that skepticism is is quieting down. Um, I, I love what Theo just said about uh, pumping the brakes, even on the sharp drafters with Chase Brown, but. Last year, Tyler Algier was in a, sam- a similar situation, Cody. Could Chase Brown or Zach Evans be this year's Tyler Algier in a sense where they get an opportunity as a fifth-round running back, sixth-round running back? I mean, the Chase Brown one makes sense only in that Joe Mixon situation, right? Dwayne McBride, I'm not a massive fan of Dwayne McBride. I know Theo is. He feels like he could potentially be that, that Tyler Algier. Not anymore, Chase- Cody. When he went well, the seventh, when he's went in the seventh round, I pumped the brakes. So that, no, I'm that- dead serious, though. I'm dead serious. I mean, Delvin, Delvin's not going to play with the Vikings this year. And you're mm-hmm. looking at, at, at Alexander Madison and Dwayne McBride. Like, this this organization did not – this current uh, staff did not bring in uh, Alexander Madison, right? So – McBride has the abilities. I'm, I'm not saying he's a he's a he's a bad football player. He's just not an ideal one for PPR situations exactly. But um, as far as Evans uh, Evans goes for for this year, no, I wouldn't say that. As far as Chase Brown goes, I think it's a very interesting situation. The minute Mixon suspended or misses it any time at all, I think 100 that that is aligned. But I do want to say one thing about Zach Evans before we do move on, and that is. Do pump your brakes because Kyron Williams and Ronnie Rivers are the polar opposite of Zach Evans when it comes to the off-field situation stuff, and they're both on the roster as well, and they both proved last year, despite us not liking them, that they can play football. And right. Alan, this year's Tyler Algier is fairly easy. It's 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 right in front of you. It's Roshan Johnson is going to be the day three running back who who's who's got the clearest path. He was a fourth-round guy, goes to Chicago, 
All he's got to do is is beat out Deonta Foreman and Khalil Herbert. It's right there. But this is so this this year's but beat this out. year's rookie this year's rookie draft class. Like you talk about being able to get year one production out of guys. A lot of these guys that you can get in the third round, fourth round of your rookie drafts, they have paths to usable weeks. This is a handcuff class. All of these, a lot of these guys landed in potential handcuff situations. Eric Gray is the the guy who I would bet on being the handcuff uh, to to Saquon Barkley. Okay, Tank Bigsby is the handcuff to to to, to yes. ETN. Wait, wait. wait. What Big about Big all the guys that they got in uh, Jacksonville? Because uh, people are asking this question. I don't want you to zoom it's past Bigsby. it. It's Bigsby. What about the Ernest Johnson? What about Hasty? What about? I mean, they they're loaded up. The Snoop from last year. None of these guys have a chance. No, Hasty will be cut. Snoop will be cut. Okay. And and and. Well, they could even keep Hasty because I feel like Hasty's a valuable receiver. He's a receiver, receiver, special teams guy. Practice squad, yeah. Practice squad guy. And so you have Tajay Spears is the clear cuff to to Derrick Henry. Plus, so like Bigsby and Spears are interesting because they can each carve out a weekly role despite despite you know playing behind uh you know running backs who were successful last year um Air Evan Hole has a path to being the handcuff in Indianapolis there's yeah. a and Israel Abanakanda lands in a crowded situation in New York but if you're looking for a like for like replacement for Brees Hall Abanakanda would be the one I would bet on over Michael Carter and Zonovan Knight so it's a it's a really fun class because you have the elite running backs at the top then you have that group of running backs that we talked about, like with Kendra and A Chain, uh, like that interesting group. Then you then you go down and you're looking at all these potential cuffs. So it's it's a it's a really good running back class. Like people can mm-hmm. hate on it all you want, but they're wrong to do so. This is going to be a class that's going to make waves this year and over the next few years. Let me give Cody the final word, then we're going to move on. No, that was it. That was oh, everything that was I had. My my right. note was on the Zach Evans thing, just right. to stay. He- uh, stay cognizant of the situation because even though, you know, and, and Theo just did a very good job running through all the other situations in the NFL, but like we, we opened this whole conversation with Zach Evans and I'm just saying, just pump the brakes on him. Yes. He's at the traits, but there's Got a more it. than likely chance that he's not going to have a ton of output this year. The only thing I'll add to this is just from a strategy perspective is when you collect these running backs in your rookie draft in the third, fourth and fifth round, the, what you're hoping for is they use these guys in two week windows, like Khalil Herbert, the, when David Montgomery went down, don't think like, Hey, I'm going to have these guys and they're going to send to the workhorse very rarely happens. Elijah Mitchell even was was the best case scenario we've seen in the last few years. So you draft an Israel is he a if you Abanakanda is he a as I call him, but Abanakanda then you get you know one week two weeks out of him it's paid the bills for you. All right, guys, Superflex leagues just they're exploding in popularity. We live in that Superflex world. I know the FFPC world is a little bit more single quarterback, but. It's impossible. When I say that, I put that in air quotes to even trade for these guys. So the best and the cheapest the quarterbacks are are in the uh, the startup draft. So who are a couple of the guys that we're talking about here that you know could be qualify as like a modern day sleeper? You know, in, in in the short list, and these are ugly names. Or even if you're in a, an existing league and you're just in quarterback hell at your second quarterback spot, uh, a couple of the guys I really want to talk to you about their fantasy viability are Sam Howell and Baker Mayfield specifically because. One is they're, they're both going to be starting quarterback. So Theo, either of those guys, even though it's ugly, if you were in QB, if you had Tom Brady retire, if you have Ryan Tannehill sitting there and you're not thrilled about using him this year, do either of those guys appeal? And what would you do to trade for them, if at all? I don't really want either one of those guys as my quarterback two in Dynasty. Because we don't want I, them there, right? We don't want. Well, them, but. I don't want them there. And also, Alan, we talk about like. I don't think it's that it's difficult betting on those guys because you know that they're probably not going to be the starting quarterback a year from now. 
Like Sam Howell would have to be put up on a massive amount of fantasy points, and Washington would also have to win a lot of games in a difficult division for me to envision him holding on to that. That he's a placeholder right now with a little bit of a little bit of upside only because he's young. Um, I don't think Sam Howell is awful. I think he'll put up fantasy points, but I don't think he's going to be. I don't think he's going to be a guy that you want to look at as a long term answer at quarterback. The move to make if you're in a super flex league is go out and trade for Geno Smith before the market moves on him. Geno Smith right now has – people got mad at me for saying this, so I have to preference this. It's it's a top two wide receiver core. I can't say that he has the best wide receivers in the league because Cincinnati Bengals people will, will just roast me. But it's a top <clears> two – well, you, Cody, that's a, that's a good one right there, but but who's your, you're going to take K.J. Osborne in that same – like with Hawk Jefferson. Daddy? Well, Hawk Daddy's a tight end. You can't you can't change up the positions. All right. We well, you know what? We'll let's we'll have this debate in a moment Gino. here. Let's stay, let's, Gino Smith is the one you want to go get out. Right, but it, but Gino's expensive. He's not you're not gonna be able to get Jared, what I'm Jared Goff is interesting because people don't go. view him as a long term a long term guy. And Gino, you, you say Gino's expensive. I don't think the market is where Gino should be. Like I and I'll say this, I would rather have Desmond Ritter on my team than I would Baker Mayfield or Sam Howell if you want to go with like the cheaper guys. Because I think that Ritter there's a chance that Atlanta gets priced out of the elite quarterbacks again because of they're going to be win a lot of games this year in that division. Not like a lot of games, but I think Atlanta can be a nine, ten win team. That's a with, lot <laughs> with Bijan with Bijan Robinson running the ball with a decent defense in a winnable division. Uh, they're going to get to a point where they're not going to get Caleb Williams and they're not going to get Drake May and they're going to say, you know what, Desmond Ritter won you know nine, ten games this year. Let's give him another year as kind of a placeholder quarterback. So you might get a two-year window out of Ritter. I, I I don't see that with Baker Mayfield and Sam Howell. I think you're really dumpster diving with those two. Yeah, and Cody, you've been in these leagues where you tr- try getting a quarterback. It, it's so difficult unless you want to you know give a dollar twenty-five or dollar forty. So what really what I'm asking you guys, and you're doing a great job. On, on, if I'm if I have a contending team, but I'm always getting you know nothing out of that QB two spot. Who are some of the dented cans, dollar guys, or someone I can get maybe for my early second round pick just to fill that void this year? Well, that's so the Sam Howell, I was just looking up on our trade finder right now and player profile, kind of the pricing for these guys. And really what I'm looking at is Geno's going for between that 1.8 and that 1.12 uh, rookie pick. And Sam Howell's in the 2 area, 2.6 to 2.10. And I'm trying to look at Mayfield and Geno. And it's like I, I think I would take the Ritters and the Mayfields because they've proven week after week after week, you know, every conversation that comes up, it's like, okay, are they going to get Lamar? Are they going to get Anthony Richardson? Are they going to, no. And, and, and Atlanta is just continuing to double down on Ritter. So that's this year, right? It's, it's all in on Ritter. And I think as far as pricing goes, Ritter's going to be a guy where you're not going to have to pay that much for him. And you're guaranteed to get the whole season because if they nuke it and they win four games, they're obviously going to bring in a Caleb or a Drake May. But if they win 10, 11 games, you can see the world where he just continues to be a mid-level guy like a Ryan Tannehill, et cetera, and he has this job for the next couple of years. It's just because the team is the team's solid enough where if he doesn't completely suck, they're going to win at least eight games, I think. And there's enough talent around him where I think he can score fantasy points. The other one, you brought up Baker Mayfield. I don't think Sam Darnold belongs in this list, but that's here nor there. Baker Mayfield, wait, wait, though, wait, I think. Sam Darnold as- belongs in the list because he could get – Four four starts this year easily for the, one of the best offenses. No, get out of here. Get out. Of here. I, I'm good. I'm good. And Alan, I'll also say that there's a 24 year old quarterback whose team had three day two receivers selected and has two very decent running backs, uh, if not good, better than good. Theo's and doing this a, TikTok style where he's not I'm telling us the name. It. It's, <laughs> it's, <not> telling- <laughs> it's another cheap guy to go. His get. name? 
is, is? Jor- is Jordan Love. <laughs> yeah. Jordan yeah. Love right but, now is going outside of the top 24 in a lot of leagues. And jo- I think I, I Jordan think Love, he- Jordan Love can't, it, he's costing you two first rounders because there's no. the unknown upside in the leagues I'm in. Someone's offered me pick 108, 109 for, you know, for my, I'm, I'm telling them like this, go, go away, go away. I'm not selling Jordan love for a first round pick in a super flex league that I'm holding on to him. So I would, yeah. I, so you talk about like a Sam Howell or Baker Mayfield. I think that the, the way that you treat those kind of guys is you try to trade up. You could yeah. trade one of those guys with picks to try to get a better quarterback. And like the, the guys we, the guys we talked about, are not so so expensive that they're unattainable if you have another quarterback in that deal. Yeah. Oh, um, Cody, uh, so that's I love what he what Theo just said about trading up. In the situation, the hypothetical that I gave you cuz this is a lot of situations in my dynasty leagues where I just yeah. I ignored the quarterback, yeah, and where I had right, where I had Tom Brady retire. You know, it's just, and I just don't know what to do because nobody's going, I've offered pick 108 for Geno Smith. People won't even, they don't even counter me because it's a non-starter. So is there anyone else? I mean, you know, up until, yeah, so go ahead, go ahead. Baker's the Baker's the one I think you know I'm seeing all over the trade finder right now 308 207 like all over in that range. You could get Baker. I'll, I'll, you can get him. I'll, 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 I mean again Theo's Theo's grinning right now because it's Baker. But like Arian said, he had Baker graded higher than any of these dudes in this class. Take that for whatever the hell you want. I don't think it's proper, but it is what it is. Baker can still play football. He's had weird situations everywhere he's been, and you have Godwin. What? Mike Evans. What? Cam Brate. What? Kate Otten, what? Rashad White, what? Like, there's talent around him, and they got bookend tackles. So I think that they're going to be fine, and the defense isn't bad. So, again, are they going to have 660 pass attempts? No. But I think Baker Mayfield can return value if he's competent. We'll just see if he's competent. That's and that's the first time in the history of the world that somebody's gone Cam Brate. What? Right. Like well, Cam Bray, didn't, didn't Cameron Brate retire, guys? I think he's uh, he's not Should've. even a- – yeah, have. I think he retired. Theo, you're the perfect guy to ask this next question here <laughs> because you play in a lot of the FFPC tight end premiums. I know in my league, sometimes they have the double tight end starts or the two PPR. So you see those tight ends get attacked guys early and often. I just can't do it. I, for some, mentally, I just can't like not take the wide receivers I like. So I want to talk about some of the rookies that are in this in this draft class, or maybe the weight on uh, weight on tight end players in your dynasty startup leagues. Everyone's jumping in these dynasty startup leagues. So Theo, start with Chig. Where does Chig Okonkwo, the tight end on the Tennessee Titans, and how does he compare to the rookie tight end? So if I'm on the clock and I've waited. Put Dalton Kincaid to the side. Let's talk about the second round tight ends, the third round right tight ends, and how does Chig fit into that that uh, let's say that ranking? Because he goes after all of those rookies right now because of the rookie hype. Well, because of the rookie hype, also because the draft capital also matters a little bit. Not so much with tight ends. I think that for me, the big three rookie tight ends and Chig should all be inside of your top twelve dynasty tight end ranking. Um, but for me, when it comes down to it. I have a ton of Chig in in Dynasty, but if I had an opportunity to to pivot to a Michael Mayer or a Sam Laporta, I would probably do it, Alan, begrudgingly because those guys have such a clear path. Um, But I I love Chig. Like if you tell me now we drop down to Chig versus Musgrave, I'm going to go with Chig, um, but that would be kind of my cutoff. I would have him as tight end four if he was in this class. And I'm sure if the NFL had the opportunity to redraft and Chig, based on what you saw last year, was available in this in this class, I think he would be drafted high, much higher than he was last year. I think he would have ended up in you know the third round here instead of being a, a day three guy. So I love Chig. I, I think Chig. If you have Chig on your dynasty rosters, don't sell low 
because you've already kind of beat out what you gave up cost wise because you might have a weekly uh you know low end tight end one this year and look at the target competition in allen in tennessee it's disgusting what they have put together on that roster Traylon burks is going to handle all he can handle but chig should have weekly targets and we saw like when chig made his made his kind of leap into fantasy relevance last year he was getting like five targets a game there's a chance that it could be that with maybe a little bit more and we know that he's the kind of guy that can do a lot after the catch and and potentially do well in the red zone so uh I'm in on Chig, but I would I would take Laporta over him, and I would take Mayer. Cody, rank these guys for me because it's a decision that a lot of people watching the Sonic Truth podcast they're they're going to be faced with that decision. Ranking these guys in Dynasty, I would probably lean Laporta by a nut hair over Chig, and then it's a big gap to Musgrave. Um, Chig, but Mayer, but you have Mayer before both of those guys, Cody. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay so let's just get this straight. Mayor it would be one. We're talking about the second round tight ends and yeah. Chigaconquo. So you have yeah. Mayor one, and then you said, who was your number two, Cody? Laporta? Sam Laporta. Are Sam you Laporta. in agreement with those two? Yes. Uh, okay. Then you have Chig and then Musgrave. Yeah, but there's a, there's like, like I said, a nut hair between Laporta and... and uh, you said a nut hair. What if I'm clean shaven down there? And then there's no difference. It's right there. And the, the chat was waiting for this, Alan. The chat yeah, has it's been touching. You've been, you've been saying, happen, and then, yeah, and then between then between Chig and Musgrave, it's like like a like a full length blonde. Like, Did, so does that surprise you? By the way, that I'm clean shaven down there, or hairy? Because I have a hairy back. But I'm telling you, it's the weirdest thing. I look at myself naked in the mirror, and I'm completely shaven and bare down there, but it's very hairy on the shoulders. Does that surprise you at all? You're imbalanced. You're like an imbalanced. <laughs> it, 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 it's very disturbing when I look at myself. I'm telling you, it's 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 not a good look. So I'm going to go with Chig there, but, you know, but I think Chig is, is a close between Laporta and he because you look exactly what Theo just said about the, the target distribution in Tennessee right now, and they didn't bring in much. They brought in Josh Wiley, who's going to be a couple-year project, and I like Josh Wiley, but when I was talking to Teron Davenport, who is the best reporter for my book in uh, in Tennessee, we was talking to him at the, at the NFL Combine and basically said, you know, what's the expectation for Chig? And, and he goes, they love Chig. They love Chig. And, like, that's all you need to know. Like, these, inf- these reporters for these teams know more than we do. So if you can talk to every single one of them, and that's the one thing, that they love Chig. And then they don't bring in very much target, uh, you know, competition, and it's Burks and him, essentially. I mean, come on, man. We're, come yeah. on, man. There's a reason we got him top 10 in Dynasty right now. Yeah. Theo, Theo, my wife is standing five feet from me. She just palm-faced and walked out of the room. I think she's sickened by my statement. But, uh, you know, Cody Cody glossed over that probably to the uh, you know the benefit or of the maybe, chat. Or maybe she's upset that you didn't take a chance to shave the shoulders. And she heard you say that, and she went... Right, like, no, you know, you're right. You get rid of the hair on the shoulders. There he's going to be rubbing his. He's going to be rubbing his shoulder hair in my face tonight. Well, I'm telling. That's why I always lower the lights before, you know, before yeah, romance because I, I don't want that look to be, you know, it, she might run out of the room. All right, but it's just let, weird. That's right. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, good, good conversation there on the tight ends. But uh, the one that you didn't talk about is tell me if I'm saying this right. Is it Luke Schoonemaker? Is that how you say his name? The Dallas Cowboys tight end Theo. I've I've heard some good things about him. Uh, it looks like the. Uh, uh, the Dallas got jumped. They were in on Kincaid. Is Shunemaker the sleeper tight end, especially in these premium leagues that nobody's talking about yet? I think that the move you can make is you can get Jake Ferguson very cheap because I think that Luke Shunemaker is going to be used as kind of like a. I think they'll use him as an H back type. I think they'll use him in two tight end sets. He's extremely athletic. It's such a weird draft pick that they made where they Why? took him. Why is it he's weird? like twenty? He's going to be twenty five years old this year. He's 25 years old, and it was just like 
we would have gotten so excited if Dallas would have just put took our boy Tucker Craft right there at oh. the end of the second round. We would be like the whole community would be you would you would see Tucker Craft going so high in these FFPC league drafts. Um, which is another issue with Musgrave, by the way, is Cody and I love Tucker Craft, and Tucker Craft could easily be you know a year from now more valuable in Dynasty than than Musgrave. But this like Shoemaker, it's like I've seen a couple of people drafting him. I just can't get on that train. He's old. I think that it's it's a classic like him and Brenton Strange at the end of the second round. Neither of those guys are guys I would bet on despite the second round capital. Strange kind of projects to be like a blocker. Um, Cody, you would agree on that with your, your Strange as a I, yeah. I, I Strange is going to be a good football player, yeah. but he's not going to be you know a big value for us in fantasy. I'm glad you had that stance on Shoemaker. I thought a week ago maybe you you were a little too high on him, but I, I think being 20. I mean, he's literally he's, he's older about, than he's Cody. About, He's older than Cody. He's, he's four weeks younger than Irv Smith, and he's about a year yeah. older. Irv, year came, in, than, Irv uh, came into the league really young. Shoemaker, obviously, a little bit a very old. Bingo. So, yeah. Bingo. And it's like you just look at the at the grand crop of this whole – the grand scheme of this whole crop of, of tight ends, and it's like, yeah, I mean, he's a year uh, younger than Dalton Schultz. Uh, Dalton Schultz just went through an entire contract. Like I, I – it's a weird pick. Kraft would have been – Kraft would have been the tits at that spot, exactly like Theo said, but it's – yeah, man. I mean, he's well, older I, than Cole Komet. We'll call him. We'll call him Vilas Schoonmaker from now on, Alan. He's Vilas <laughs> like Schoonmaker. I like All right. that. All right, guys. Hype videos in Dynasty Fantasy Football. It, it's amazing what they do, and we try to say that we're going to shield ourselves from these hype videos every year. Every year, but it just doesn't work. And you can take advantage of this if you don't fall for the hype. But guys, I saw this padless flag football throw from Justin Fields to DJ Moore, explode Twitter, move DJ oh. Moore's ADP up about two rounds in uh, in redraft and in dynasty. So we all love DJ Moore, but it's you know he hasn't had the quarterback yet. Theo Grabinger, where what is the proper valuation in dynasty fantasy football? Give me a couple of players that are going right now ahead of DJ Moore that you think is just wrong and that we should wait for DJ Moore to come to us. Well, I'm in on DJ Moore. That's I'm not, what I'm saying. I'm so, not avoiding like I'm not avoiding DJ Moore. Um, I think when it comes down to it, I'm I'm taking if I have a long term approach in like a startup draft, I'm I'm if you know for this draft class, I'm taking Jackson Smith and Jigba ahead of DJ Moore. But like DJ Moore, he's a wide receiver two for me in startup drafts. And I'll say like I'll take DJ Moore ahead of Pittman. I'll take DJ Moore ahead of Traylon Burks. I'll take DJ Moore ahead of George Pickens. We've seen it with with DJ Moore. Um, I think that like people are getting a little too scared of what happened, you know, last year in terms of the pass volume in Chicago. It, it's when you get a player like DJ Moore offensive coordinators want to get him the ball it's been proven year in year out throughout his career based on his target total so for uh, you know i see a lot of people you know projecting dj Moore to finish as a uh, wide receiver three this year like even a you know potential like wide receiver 30 31 32 33 if that's the case i'm going to have a lot of him in in that other format that we don't talk about alan but in terms of dynasty like he lands in chicago they don't take a right wide receiver uh, until until there was like that nightmare scenario where they were linked to Jackson Smith and Jigba for a little bit. Get Ohio State receiver, uh, you know, in there with Justin Fields. Um, that didn't happen. And not only that, they they addressed other other positions of need um, and they didn't take any receivers until day three. So DJ Moore is kind of in a and I think he's in a, in a good spot. That offense needs to take a step forward. Justin Fields needs a wide receiver like this. 
And I think DJ Moore could have a number of wide receiver two seasons on the horizon. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd agree 100%. I don't see a reason why, you know, we see 118 targets, 162, 118. I don't see a, re- a reason why he can't bump back up to that 140-plus area, especially in this offense where there's not really a true competitor for the number two. I know Darnell Mooney's there, but, I mean, DJ Moore is unequivocally better than Darnell Mooney. And you look at the ADP where DJ Moore is currently going right now in the ADP tracker, it's like the Traylon Burks, Jamison Williams, yep. Michael Pittman, Chris Godwin area and like I like Godwin. Hey, I like uh, Burks. I like me, these guys, but it's not even. It's not. Let me close ask you this though, Cody. Cody. So it's the problem with DJ Moore in Dynasty is that he ne- he was he every year it gets four touchdowns. I mean, maybe he had an outlier year somewhere. What's the case for getting him to that double digit touchdown area? It's, that- I mean, Cole Komet had seven last year after having zero the year before. And that was kind of the, the move. It was like, all right, Cole Komet's going to bounce back from zero. He's going to jump into the top 10. When you look at really, it's just scoring, right? If this team does what we kind of saw Philadelphia do last year, and it's the it's the thing that makes sense, right? Fields is a year behind Hertz. Oh, look, they just added their wide receiver in DJ Moore. They traded for him just like they traded for AJ Brown. I don't think this team is close to what Philadelphia is, but it seems like they're building it the right way. And if they're building it the right way, all – what do they say? All ships will rise in the whatever the hell that thing is saying. But it, it, if the scoring rising, goes a rising up, rising tide lifts all ships. Right, and that whole ship is Chicago. And right. I think if they had a great draft, and I think continuing to do it from the inside out, which is how Philly's done it. I'm not saying they're going to do what Philly did, but what I'm saying is if they can add six, seven, eight, nine points per game uh, over the course of the next year or two, I think a big portion of that's going to come from DJ Moore being the alpha in this offense. Again, he's had 1,500-plus air yards but four straight years. He had over 1,000 the last three of the last four years. Like He is an alpha. He is the archetype. He is the Jamar Chase. He is the A.J. Brown type of player, and I think he's at 26 years old. He's, just, he's only coming into that own right now, and I think that – if the connections there with Fields day one, shit. I, I mean, and Alan, what's the up, what's the ceiling? What's the, what's what's what can he do? Can can he 150 targets for DJ Moore? He's electric. Like, tell me he can't be a top five wide receiver in a given season. And I'll give you guys the. the there was a, a stat that I actually had I written about earlier this off season, but in 2018, the last time we saw DJ Moore play alongside of a, a very mobile quarterback in Cam Newton. Uh, he had 172 rushing yards on only 13 attempts. And last year, Chicago had 20 rushing attempts by their wide receiver. So that's that was part of their attack last year. So I think that that's one thing that's kind of been missing from DJ Moore's game, where they're going to get him some manufactured uh, touch manufactured touches as as a rusher this year. And you know, if he if he gets you know 10 to 10 to 13 of those, um, then that that is another thing to keep an eye on. All right, guys, we're going to continue talking about veteran wide receivers, and people are hot for Garrett Wilson on the New York Jets for good reason, right? Going on the one-two turn at this point. I, it wouldn't be surprised me if he overtakes CeeDee Lamb in, uh, in, that, in that format that we don't talk about, uh, seasonal, right? But um, I'm wondering, Cody, is Garrett Wilson, is, are the expectations too out of control? The Jets this week signed Randall Cobb. I know that's like grandfather stuff, but that's probably another, what, 30 targets, 35 targets out the door. It needs to be cut off for him. Corey Davis is still there. Yeah, I mean, we know we have Alan Lazard, who's, who's an excellent blocker in your, your points per blocking league, but Alan Lazard is going to be a, you know, a blankie for Aaron Rodgers. He's a, comfort, uh, he's a comfort piece for him. And then you have the running game. Rodgers traditionally had that low passing volume. So is Garrett Wilson set up to disappoint? Now, let me phrase this relative to where he's being drafted in Dynasty right now, or don't even worry about it, bet on talent. 
I would say to bet on talent, um, but I think you have to be open-minded to saying, okay, he's not Devontae Adams, and this chemistry is going to take time like it always does and always has with Rodgers, where you know, obviously know Lazard and Cobb is there. There's a running game there. There's a bunch of tight ends there. He loves to go to tight ends. Corey Davis is also a veteran, and as long as he's on the roster, that matters. I know Corey Davis is like almost looked at as if he's like on the street right now, but he's in the building currently. I love Garrett Wilson, but you either have to be on one of two sides, I feel like right now. You have to be on team Garrett Wilson is where he's valued or better than that and should be considered in the potential Devontae Adams type of an output season. Or you need to be like, all right, this is just, you know, two years. It's going to take time. And this, there's there's too much there. I don't know. It's a very, it's a tough conversation. Seven to nine targets per game. That's not going to do low. it, right, Theo? That, that seven to nine low. targets is not going to do it. Yeah, that feels low, though. Like, that, that, I mean, but but guys, we're talking about a guy who was a. I, I think this is a situation where you don't want to overthink it, Alan. The guy was a top ten draft pick. He was an early entry. He was an extremely successful player agreed, at Ohio State. Yeah. And and guys, we're talking about like he gets a huge quarterback upgrade. So at the end of the day, Alan, it's it comes down to like it's the it's the style of of drafters where he gets pushed up because of his age and his immediate productivity and his profile. That's not necessarily a bad approach though, because you're you're having him leapfrog some older players, guys that did what he did as a rookie with his sort of draft capital are not the kind of guys you want to fade. Like he's a ridiculous talent. I think that yep. you know people might get a little bit in trouble in in twenty twenty three, but I think like. Betting on Garrett Wilson to be have a number of wide receiver one seasons over the next five years, I think is something that I'm I'd be willing to do. And I think he's a sometimes in Dynasty we get into the fact that, hey, I could sell this guy for a lot, and that's awesome. Like let's take a haul for Garrett Wilson. But at the end of the day, you might be giving up a, an asset that you're not able to equal and you're not able to reach that that level. So he's a he's a difficult one. Um, I think that He's a difficult. He's a difficult one to to kind of to kind of manage. I think if I'm sitting on Garrett Wilson shares, like my Garrett Wilson teams, I'm not looking to trade them. And I had some very big offers, uh, you know, for Wilson, and I'm I'm just not looking to unload that. I think if I can get a pivot, the kind of pivot that you should think about with Garrett Wilson, Justin Jefferson, getting adding trade, a pick. If you can trade up to yeah. a to a to a truly yeah. elite chaser course, for Jefferson, yeah. Yeah. you do it. Or if you yeah. can take a guy like Alave, who we like a lot, and you get Alave plus something significant. Yeah. Then, then you think about it. But I, I think Wilson's just a, yeah. he's just a clean, clean profile. So, let me ask Cody this, and I, and I'll give you the um, we're not pivoting off Garrett Wilson just yet. But he Theo mentioned Alave and Garrett Wilson; those are similar tiers. Uh, if you have anything to add about Wilson, that's fine. But I'm curious. Christian Watson is not getting the same treatment as those guys yet. He was the wide receiver nine from the time he was a full time player last year when he was inserted into that lineup week ten. To the end of the season, a top 10 wide receiver, yet he's getting treated as a full tier below. So is the market just too low on Christian Watson, or is there a little bit more risk there? And that's why he's, you know, two, three rounds later in Dynasty. I think there's too many people that still don't believe in what we saw at the latter part of last season because it's too comparable to Randy Moss. And everyone's like, he's not Randy Moss. And then that just says, well, that was a lot of Rodgers. It's, you know, Jordan Love, it's going to be a, a natural dip. It's not going to be the same thing. It's going to be entirely. And they just like, it's kind of similar to where the Garrett Wilson thing, where everyone's like, yeah, can he reach Devonta Adams? Where on this side with Christian Watson, it's like, yeah, but he doesn't have the quarterback. And that was just like hyper outlier efficiency that we're never going to see again. And But it's like, yeah, but what if? Right. What if? And that's the same world we're playing in, I think, with and my last comment on Garrett Wilson was the same thing. It's like Theo brought up one thing and I brought this up at the start of the show. When I play Dynasty, I think about season. When I play seasonal, I think about Dynasty. If you're drafting a startup right now and you got Garrett Wilson on the board, 
Thiel said one thing. He said, in 2023, you might be worried. Yeah, well, in 2020, it's 2023, and I'm kind of worried. And that's where the, the single thought of doubt comes in. You go, yeah, but do I want to spend wide receiver four, wide receiver five cost in a startup on Garrett Wilson, knowing that 2023 could be a struggle? The thought, though, is are you going to make that bet? Are you betting on him paying off at that price? Do you think he can, over, can, you think he can over, overplay where you're paying, or do you think there's a chance he falls back? Because if he falls back, obviously you can go and trade for him. But for the, for the Christian Watson thing, I do think it's pretty straightforward just being that it's, it's a lot of, uh, I guess you'd say, media-driven, but it's really just social media-driven where people are like, yeah, he's an outlier, he's not Randy Moss, et cetera, et cetera. Right now in the chat, I want people to put their order of those three wide receivers for Dynasty Fantasy Football. Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and Christian Watson. I think I know Ooh. what the outcome is going to be, but I want to see how you're valuing those guys. Forget ADP. Which one of those guys you want on your team uh, ranked them one, two, and three? Theo. Uh, Garrett Wilson, one. Chris Olave two, Christian Watson three, ADP. and I'd like I'd like to have, but I'd like to have as much of all three as possible. Like Christian Watson, Allen, it's interesting because like the there's there's an, a counter argument that the sample size was not large enough to kind of sustain this sort of thing. But I I do believe that Christian Watson is a exceptional athletic talent. I think he could click well with with uh, Jordan Love. And his main target competition is is a rookie in 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 Jaden Reed, a guy we like, but it's not like they added you know some you know veteran who's had a number of like 125 plus target seasons. We're projecting Jaden Reed to be able to step in on day one. It's not like we know he's going to be able to step on day in on day one. So for me, Christian Watson is in a great spot. We have him at wide receiver 18 in dynasty overall. I think that's about right. I think you could make a case for him a little bit higher. Um, but you could also make a case for him a couple a couple of spots lower. So I think treating him as a treating him as a wide receiver two, a locked in wide receiver two, is the correct one. His draft capital is not nearly what Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson was. So you're talking about a, a round two guy versus a you know a top fifteen overall guy. So that that does matter a little bit. Um, but Watson's in a great spot, and we like him a lot at Player Profile. I'm going to give you guys a dynasty question to bring out the show. One answer on the count of three. Okay. One answer on the count of three, and that's how we're going to end the show today. This is a truly dynasty-centric question. You got Christian Watson, and you got Cooper Cup. You're on the clock. You can only take one in dynasty. The an- the correct answer is three, two, one. Christian Watson. Christian Watson. And that's the show. Ranking these guys in Dynasty, I would probably lean Laporta by a nut hair over Chig, and then it's a big gap to Musgrave. Mayor won, and then you said, who was your number two, Cody? Laporta? Sam Laporta. Are you in agreement with those two? Yes. Uh, Okay. Then you have Chig, and then Musgrave. Yeah, but there's there's like, like I said, a nut hair between Laporta and... You said a nut hair. What if I'm clean shaven down there? And then there's no difference. It's right there. And the, the chat was touching. waiting for this, Alan. The chat yeah, is touching. You've been, you've been I have and then, then between Chig and Musgrave, it's like like a like a full length blonde. Like, what, so does that surprise you, by the way, that I'm clean shaven down there or hairy? Because I have a hairy back. 
but I'm telling you, it's the weirdest thing. I look at myself naked in the mirror, and I'm completely shaven and bare down there, but it's very hairy on the shoulders. Does that surprise you at all? You're imbalanced. You're like an imbalanced guy. <laughs> it, it, it's very disturbing when I look at myself. I'm telling you, it's 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 not a good look. They love chick. They love chick. You said a nut hair. What if I'm clean shaven down there?